Section 30 of John Keats' Selected Poems. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Leonard Wilson. Lamia, Part 2. Love in a hut with water and a crust is love forgive us cinders ashes dust love in a palace is perhaps at last more grievous torment than a hermit's fast that is a doubtful tale from fairyland hard for the non-elect to understand had lysias lived to hand his story down he might have given the moral a fresh frown or clenched it quite but too short was their bliss to breed distrust and hate that make the soft voice hiss besides there nightly with terrific glare love jealous grown of so complete a pair hovered and buzzed his wings with fearful roar above the lintel of their chamber door and down the passage cast a glow upon the floor for all this came a ruin side by side they were enthroned in the eventide upon a couch near to a curtaining whose airy texture from a golden string floated into the room and let appear unveiled the summer heaven blue and clear betwixt two marble shafts there they reposed where use had made it sweet with eyelids closed saving a tithe which love still open kept that they might see each other while they almost slept when from the slope-side of a suburb hill deafening the swallow's twitter came a thrill of trumpets lysias started the sounds fled but left a thought a buzzing in his head for the first time since first he harbored in that purple-lined palace of sweet sin his spirit passed beyond its golden bourne into the noisy world almost forsworn the lady ever watchful penetrant saw this with pain so arguing a want of something more more than her empery of joys and she began to moan and sigh because he mused beyond her knowing well that but a moment's thought his passion's passing bell why do you sigh fair creature whispered he why do you think returned she tenderly you have deserted me where am i now not in your heart while care weighs on your brow no no you have dismissed me and i go from your breast houseless ay it must be so he answered bending to her open eyes where he was mirrored small in paradise my silver planet both of eve and morn why will you plead yourself so sad forlorn while i am striving how to fill my heart with deeper crimson and a double smart how to entangle trammel up and snare your soul in mine and labyrinth you there like the hid scent in an unbudded rose i a sweet kiss you see your mighty woes my thoughts shall i unveil them listen then what mortal hath a prize that other men may be confounded and abashed withal but lets it sometimes pace abroad majestical and triumph 
as in thee i should rejoice amid the hoarse alarm of corinth's voice let my foes choke and my friends shout afar while through the thronged streets your bridal car wheels round its dazzling spokes the lady's cheek trembled she nothing said but pale and meek arose and knelt before him wept a rain of sorrows at his words at last with pain beseeching him the while his hand she wrung to change his purpose he thereat was stung perverse with stronger fancy to reclaim her wild and timid nature to his aim besides for all his love and self-despite against his better self he took delight luxurious in her sorrows soft and new his passion cruel grown took on a hue fierce and sanguineous as twas possible in one whose brow had no dark veins to swell fine was the mitigated fury like apollo's presence when in act to strike the serpent ah the serpent certes she was none she burnt she loved the tyranny and all subdued consented to the hour when to the bridal he should lead his paramour whispering in midnight silence said the youth sure some sweet name thou hast though by my truth i have not asked it ever thinking thee not mortal but of heavenly progeny as still i do hast any mortal name fit appellation for this dazzling frame or friends or kinsfolk on the cityed earth to share our marriage feast and nuptial mirth i have no friends said lamia no not one my presence in wide corinth hardly known my parents bones are in their dusty urns sepulchred where no kindled incense burns seeing all their luckless race are dead save me and i neglect the holy rite for thee even as you list invite your many guests but if as now it seems your vision rests with any pleasure on me do not bid old apollonius from him keep me hid lucius perplexed at words so blind and blank made close inquiry from whose touch she shrank feigning asleep and he to the dull shade of deep sleep in a moment was betrayed it was the custom then to bring away the bride from home at blushing shut of day veiled in a chariot heralded along by strewn flowers torches and a merry song with other pageants but this fair unknown had not a friend so being left alone lysias was gone to summon all his kin and knowing surely she could never win his foolish heart from its mad pompousness she set herself high-thoughted how to dress the misery in fit magnificence she did so but tis doubtful how and whence came and who were her subtle servitors about the halls and to and from the doors there was a noise of wings till in short space the glowing banquet-room shone with wide arched grace a haunting music sole perhaps and lone supportress of the fairy roof made moan throughout as fearful the whole charm might fade fresh carved cedar 
mimicking a glade of palm and plantain met from either side high in the midst in honor of the bride two palms and then two plantains and so on from either side their stems branched one to one all down the aisled place and beneath all there ran a stream of lamps straight on from wall to wall so canopied lay an untasted feast teeming with odors lamia regal dressed silently paced about and as she went in pale contented sort of discontent missioned her viewless servants to enrich the fretted splendor of each nook and niche between the tree stems marbled plain at first came jasper panels then anon there burst forth creeping imagery of slighter trees and with the larger wove in small intricacies approving all she faded at self-will and shut the chamber up close hushed and still complete and ready for the revels rude when dreadful guests would come to spoil her solitude the day appeared and all the gossip rout o oh, senseless lysias madman wherefore flout the silent blessing fate warm cloistered hours and show to common eyes these secret bowers the herd approached each guest with busy brain arriving at the portal gazed amain and entered marvelling for they knew the street remembered it from childhood all complete without a gap yet ne'er before had seen that royal porch that high-built fair demean so when they hurried all mazed curious and keen save one who looked thereon with eye severe and with calm planted steps walked in austere twas apollonius something too he laughed as though some knotty problem that had daft his patient thought had now begun to thaw and solve and melt was just as he foresaw he met within the murmurous vestibule his young disciple tis no common rule lysias said he for uninvited guest to force himself upon you and infest with an unbidden presence the bright throng of younger friends yet must i do this wrong and you forgive me lysias blushed and led the old man through the inner doors broad spread with reconciling words and courteous mien turning into sweet milk the sophist spleen of wealthy lustre was the banquet-room filled with pervading brilliance and perfume before each lucid panel fuming stood a censer fed with myrrh and spiced wood each by a sacred tripod held aloft whose slender feet wide swerved upon the soft wool-woofed carpets fifty wreaths of smoke from fifty censers their light voyage took to the high roof still mimicked as they rose along the mirrored walls by twin clouds odorous twelve sphered tables by silk seats ensphered high as the level of a man's breast reared on libert's paws upheld the heavy gold of cups and goblets and the store of thrice told of ceres horn and in huge vessels 
wine came from the gloomy tun with merry shine thus loaded with a feast the table stood each shrining in the midst the image of a god when in an antechamber every guest had felt the cold full sponge to pleasure pressed by ministering slaves upon his hands and feet and fragrant oils with ceremony meet poured on his hair they all moved to the feast in white robes and themselves in order placed around the silken couches wondering whence all this mighty cost and blaze of wealth could spring soft went the music the soft air along while fluent greek a voweled undersong kept up among the guests discoursing low at first for scarcely was the wine at flow but when the happy vintage touched their brains louder they talk and louder came the strains of powerful instruments the gorgeous dyes the space the splendor of the draperies the roof of awful richness nectarous cheer beautiful slaves and lamia's self appear now when the wine has done its rosy deed and every soul from human trammels freed no more so strange for merry wine sweet wine will make elysian shades not too fair too divine soon was god bacchus at meridian height flushed were their cheeks and bright eyes double bright garlands of every green and every scent from vales deflowered or forest trees branch rent and baskets of bright osiered gold were brought high as the handles heaped to suit the thought of every guest that each as he did please might fancy fit his brows silk pillowed at his ease what wreath for lamia what for lysias what for the sage old apollonius upon her aching forehead be there hung the leaves of willow and of adder's tongue and for the youth quick let us strip for him the thyrsus that his watching eyes may swim into forgetfulness and for the sage let spear-grass and the spiteful thistle wage war on his temples do not all charms fly at the mere touch of cold philosophy there was an awful rainbow once in heaven we know her woof her texture she is given in the dull catalogue of common things philosophy will clip an angel's wings conquer all mysteries by rule and line empty the haunted air and nomad mine unweave a rainbow as it erewhile made the tender personed lamia melt into a shade by her glad listia sitting in chief place scarce saw in all the room another face till checking his love trance a cup he took full-brimmed and opposite sent forth a look across the broad table to beseech a glance from his old teacher's wrinkled countenance and pledge him the bald-head philosopher had fixed his eye without a twinkle or stir full on the alarmed beauty of the bride brow-beating her fair form and troubling her sweet pride lysias then pressed her hand with devout touch as pale it lay upon the rosy couch twas icy and the cold ran through his veins then sudden it grew hot and all the pains of an unnatural heat shot to his heart 
Lenia, what means this? Wherefore dost thou start? Knowest thou that man? Poor Lamia answered not. He gazed into her eyes, and not a jot owned they the lovelorn piteous appeal. More, more he gazed, his human senses real, some hungry spell that loveliness absorbs. There was no recognition in those orbs. Lamia, he cried, and no soft tone reply. The many heard, and the loud revelry grew hush. The stately music no more breathes, the myrtle sickened in a thousand wreaths. By faint degrees, voice, lute, and pleasure ceased. A deadly silence step by step increased, until it seemed a horrid presence there, and not a man but felt the terror in his hair. Lamia, he shrieked, and nothing but the shriek with its sad echo did the silence break. Begone, foul dream, he cried, gazing again in the bride's face, where now no azure vein wandered on fair spaced temples, no soft bloom misted the cheek, no passion to illumine the deep recessed vision. All was blight. Lamia, no longer fair, there sat a deadly white. Shut, shut those juggling eyes, thou ruthless man! Turn them aside, wretch, or the righteous ban of all the gods whose dreadful images here represent their shadowy presences may pierce them on the sudden with the thorn of painful blindness, leaving thee forlorn and trembling dotage to the feeblest fright of conscience for their long-offended might, for all thine impious proud-heart sophistries, unlawful magic and enticing lies. Corinthians, look upon that grey-beard wretch. Mark how possessed his lashless eyelids stretch around his demon eyes. Corinthians, see, my sweet bride withers at their potency. Fool, said the sophist in an undertone, gruff with contempt, which a death-nighing moan from Lysias answered, as heart-struck and lost, he sank supine beside the aching ghost. Fool, fool, repeated he, while his eyes still relented not, nor moved. From every ill of life have I preserved thee to this day, and shall I see thee made a serpent's prey? Then Lamia breathed death breath. The sophist sigh, like a sharp spear, went through her utterly, keen, cruel, persient, stinging. She, as well as her weak hand could any meaning tell, motioned him to be silent. Vainly so. He looked and looked again a level no. A serpent, echoed he. No sooner said than with a frightful scream she vanished. And Lysias' arms were empty of delight, as were his limbs of life from that same night. On the high couch he lay. His friends came round, supported him. No pulse or breath they found. And in its marriage robe the heavy body wound. End of Part 2 of Lamia by John Keats Recording by Leonard Wilson of Springfield, Ohio